Welcome, you're listening to a members-only broadcast brought to you by Barnabas Foundation, your trusted ministry partner for planned giving. And here's your host, Kurt Knoll, Director of Member Relations. This classic podcast comes to you from our March 2019 online training where Cindy Reimersma discusses the ins and outs of donor-advised funds, which are exploding in popularity because of their simplicity and convenience they offer donors in their giving. Uh, good morning, everybody, and welcome. Thank you for joining us again here at, uh, at Barnabas Foundation. Uh, my name is Kurt Nola, Director of Member Services here at Barnabas. With me today, again, again, and uh, Cindy Reimersma. Uh, yeah, I think yes. we've done three of these yeah, now. a few of them. And uh, today we're going get, to get into the lowdown on donor advice funds. Yeah, exciting information. Absolutely. So it's going to be fun. Uh, for those of you who are online, um, there's a prize today if you can give me this answer. Um, what year was the first donor advice fund created? If anybody has a guess on that, put it in the comments. Whoever gets closest to it will uh, we'll send you a small prize from Barnabas Foundation. Um, but bar donor advice funds have been around for quite a while. Yeah. Um, they really gained popularity in the 1990s, um, and we've had one since sometime around then. We, yeah. we don't have the exact date on when our donor advice fund was launched, unfortunately, in our records. But over the years, our donor advised fund has seen contributions into the fund. Of, so I was just adding up the numbers today, um, $675 million in and $542 million out as of this past, the end of the last month. So it's been a phenomenal benefit for our for our members over the years, um, as they've seen probably sixty to seventy percent of those dollars yeah, flow into their charities, and yeah. so it's it's an absolutely wonderful tool that we've uh, been the pleasure to be a part of for for quite a few years. Um, but so, let's just dive right into it, as uh -huh. we still get these questions from time to time from our members to say, what is a DAF? Yeah, that's really important, Kirk. Because I think a lot of people might be new to to donor advised fund staffs. And they're like, how does this work? Are they difficult? Are they complex? And they're really not. It really is a vehicle where a donor can make a gift to charity, receives an immediate tax deduction for that gift, and then has the opportunity to distribute that gift to charities whenever they feel led to do that. Um, so there's, there's a lot of uses um, for, and they serve a lot of uses. Donors have a lot of different reasons why they use donor advised funds. Um, some of them use it as a in and out, kind of almost like a, almost like a checkbook really for mm -hmm. their charitable giving, where they'll make a gift, sometimes cash, sometimes appreciated securities. We can talk a little bit more about types of gifts later, but they'll make a gift to the donor advised fund and um, and they'll just send that gift out every year to their favorite charities, and it just is a really they get one charitable um, charitable receipt from the donor um, advised fund administrator, and then they can send the money out to their favorite charities. Some people use it um, when they have a transition in life. Um, we've had donors who have used the fund if they're selling a business and they want to, they're maybe getting a large payout from the, from the business, from the sale of the business, and so they'll make a large contribution to their, their DAF in that year, um, allowing that to be their charitable giving for maybe the next you know, five to ten years, or for their extra large gifts that they want, maybe special gifts come to charity. And then we also have some people who want are in a situation where they've been blessed and they want to take that maximum charitable deduction every year. So they are giving 50% um, cash, 30% if it's appreciated securities, um, actually it's up to 60 now, um, to their donor advised funds, take that maximum charitable deduction mm -hmm. every year. And sometimes for them, they see that as their estate plan giving. 
and some of that may not get distributed until after they're gone. So every every donor has a little bit different reason of why the, the donor advised fund. In our case, the steward fund really works for them. Fantastic. Fantastic. So you've kind of touched a little bit um, on the operations of it, mm -hmm. but I think just for everybody's benefit, uh, let's walk through that just one more time. You know, what happens for the donor's benefit when they make that gift in and when the grants go out? And, and also, how should the charities kind of handle those grants from yeah. their perspective? That's that, an important Yeah, piece. that is an important thing to, to talk about, Kurt, because um, the donor receives a charitable contribution when that initial gift is made to their donor-advised fund. So whether it's Barnabas Foundation or a number of other charities that run donor advised funds, they're providing them that, that charitable receipt when that gift is made. Then over the course of time, as the donors are distributing those grants out to different charities um, and recommending that, that those grants be made, the funds are being sent out to the charities. And at that time, the charities should acknowledge the gift. They always want to thank the donor for the gift. Um, but it really should just be an acknowledgement, not another charitable receipt to that donor, because they've already received that in the year in which they made that initial gift to charities. So it's important for charities to know how to receive those, those gifts from the donors. Um, but they have, donors can make gifts to, a, uh, to all different 501c3 charities. Um, they have to be in, in, in um, uh, 501c3 certified charities, and we do all the, the vetting for the donor on that, making sure that they're an eligible charity to receive those, those gifts. But they can make grants at any time of any sizes. Uh, one of the neat things that, that our Stewards Fund allows um, donors to, and many donors have taken advantage of this, is to do recurring gifts out of their Stewards Fund. So if they're giving quarterly gifts to your, your charity, they may set that up one time, and it will just automatically distribute that check to the charity every quarter going forward until they tell it to stop. So a lot of donors really like that. It really is a really simplified their charitable giving a lot. Yeah. So we've seen, well, we, what you see there from the from our the donor advice fund perspective, it's, it's it, or our stewards fund. I mm -hmm. guess we should say ours yeah. is called the stewards yep. fund. Um, it's very flexible for the donor, right? So some use it as a pass through. Once a year, they make a gift to us. They send out uh, you know send one ch uh, stock gift to us. We liquidate it. And we send out 10 grant checks then to their 10 favorite charities. Simplifies it for the broker, makes yeah. it easy for the donor. They get one receipt and it makes it easy for the charities as they're not dealing with lots of small stock gifts. Uh, we've seen others use it as a replacement to the private foundations. Yeah. We see these transition periods where people are selling the farm, their mm -hmm. businesses, their uh, property, uh, what it, their rental properties, their vacation homes. Um, and we've seen other people too who have done it where they have these assets, they're income producing assets, and they don't want the income stream anymore, but they don't yeah, want to sell right. the asset necessarily. And so yeah. by putting it in the donor advised fund, they can continue to fulfill their charitable giving for many, 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 many years mm -hmm. um, beyond even their lifetime without having to divest that asset if they still believe it's a valuable income producing thing. And so we've got a number of clients that do that with us as well. Yeah, a lot of different creative ways that we have seen people to use donor advised funds. And those have come up in the planning that we've done with those individuals and really been creative about how the how the stewards fund could be used to benefit the charities that they wanna that they want to assist. Right. When it comes to grants, what kind of grants can't be made out of the donor advised fund. Yeah, there are there are. Um, first of all, as I mentioned, it can't. It's got to be a five hundred one c three charity. Mm -hmm. um, Barnabas Foundation um, 
will not make grants to charities whose missions are inconsistent with our Christian beliefs. So we will allow donors, some donors, and that can be a misconception sometimes, some donors think that Barnabas Foundation will only make grant distributions to member organizations. And as Kurt said earlier, that is where the majority of the grants from our our stewards fund go to is member organizations. However, we are um, we will also make grants to other 501c3 charities, but we won't make grants um, if there if the donor has um, made a written pledge commitment to a charity. So we're not able to do that on behalf of the donor. The donor is personally responsible for that. So um, those are legally binding legally binding pledges, pledges right? Yeah. So the, a donor can easily say, and we recommend this to donor that I intend to make a gift to the charity over the next number of years from my donor advised fund, um, and they can they can make that statement, but they can't have a signed, written, legally binding pledge, and the, the, the donor advised fund cannot pay that pledge. Another is that we can't make a gift where a donor receives a benefit from that from that gift. So for instance, if it's an auction item, um, we're not able to pay for that auction item um, on behalf of the donor. Or if there's a dinner, for instance, we cannot buy the ticket for the dinner. We can pay for, or I should say, we can make a grant for, excuse me, for the amount over and above the ticket price, but we can't cover the ticket price as a part of that grant. Right. That goes true for tuition. Mm -hmm. you know, we've true, had, yeah, that's a big, that's and, a big one. Yeah. And even like adoption costs for yep. a specific, Correct. They, they have to be benevolent fund only. They can't go to a specific individual. Correct. We can make um, grants to um, tuition assistant funds, but we cannot earmark them for an individual at a school. Yep. But we can do missionary support. We do a lot right. of that, mm -hmm. right? We so do it can a be lot directed to a specific yep. missionary. Yeah, we do do a lot of that. Yep. What are some of the things that we get into the donor advice fund? We all know about stocks. We get yeah. plenty of stock gifts. But some of the other creative things that have come into the donor advice fund over the years. Yeah, we have. Um, we've had quite a few of different things. Um, stocks are are stocks, even stocks in different varying forms. We've had donors who have just given a whole whole accounts, and so especially at year end last year, that was kind of our anomaly last year is that we had uh, hundreds of stocks just come into our our you know our donor advised fund because someone had just wanted to give their whole account, their whole brokerage account to their donor advised fund. Um, so again, that stocks, even stocks in different forms have been interesting. Also stocks, maybe sometimes in privately held businesses um, or banks or that sort of thing where um, we've facilitated some of those types of gifts. Some of the more interesting ones have been um, commodity gifts, you know, where we're getting um, steers and blueberries and grain and a bunch of variety of different commodities. And those we're seeing, again, we're, we're receiving, you know, steers and we're, we're having those steers sold at auction for fair market value and those turn into dollars for charity. And so it's really neat to see those happening. Um, a lot of real estate where we've seen whether it's, you know, duplexes or office condominiums or farmland, a variety of different types of real estate, um, um, typically investment real estate that donors are, are gifting to fund their donor advised funds. So a lot of different fund gifts that we've worked with over the years. Excellent. Um, I remember a few years ago, the egg farmer, that was yeah, a pretty phenomenal that, yep, gift where we yep. had like 14 million eggs or something gifted yep. to us right at the end yep, of the year. Yeah, so that, that is was, neat. That and it's still, fun it's gift. fun too, because you get to see, we get to see both sides of it. So we're seeing those gifts come in and then we're seeing them, you know, now after that gift happened a couple of years ago, we're still seeing regular gifts going out to, to ministry from that, from that initial gift. And so those are, those are fun to work on. Um, so I'll remind everybody on our little trivia quiz, I've, a number of people joined since I asked the question, um, if anybody has a guess on when the first donor advised fund was formed, 
um, we've got a prize for you. So if you have a guess, feel free to put it in the comments on the Facebook Live feed. Also, if you have a question, go ahead and drop one uh, right into the feed. We'll be happy to uh, answer the question while we're live here, or if not, we'll follow up with you later. Mm -hmm. um, one of the things that we really wanted to kind of dive into here was, you know, how does a donor advised fund or how does our, our stewards fund benefit these ministries mm -hmm. and how should they be looking at them from a benefit to them? Yeah, there's, there's a multiple ways that um, our donor advised fund helps your, your donors. Um, first and, and foremost, I think is the simplicity of giving and that it really makes it easy for that donor to call Barnabas Foundation, have their broker make that gift of appreciated stock, and then they can send it out to their favorite ministries whenever they're, they're led to do that. And it really is efficient, it's timely, and this is really simple for them. So it's a service to your donors that you can offer to your donors as an easy way to, to do their charitable giving. Um, also, I've seen where um, donors have, by having a donor advised fund, they um, have more capacity to give. So it's important for the charities to know that if they're receiving a check from a donor advised fund, it may be only $100, um, there's capacity in that donor to probably give a, a larger gift. Mm -hmm. And so when you're receiving a gift from a donor advised fund, I think it's important to note that in most cases, there's a larger capacity from that donor. So it's something that the charity should note and, and be aware of. And then another thing that I, that I just saw happen the other day is, is it's an asset that's readily available mm -hmm. to the donor. Um, oftentimes, donors will be asked to make a contribution to a capital campaign or to make a special gift. And without a donor advised fund, they're wondering, where's that money going to come from? What asset am I going to be able to have to sell or do I have to think about liquidating in order to make that gift? Um, many donors really like that. They've got the donor advised fund. They're like, okay, yeah, I can give you know an extra gift out of my donor advised fund because I've got money in there. And yeah, I'll just call Barnabas Foundation and have them you know send you a gift for that scholarship. And so we, we see that happen frequently. So that again is a really nice um, you know for donors for your donors to be able to have donor advised funds to be able to make those those gifts when you really need them. Mm -hmm. Excellent. And I, a key point there that you mentioned, Cindy, and I'll what reinforce this with all of our members, is that if you're receiving um, donor advised fund gifts from any of the donor advised for providers that are out there, whether it's a nonprofit like us, uh, the big national money center banks like Fidelity, Schwab, mm -hmm. Vanguard have huge funds. Um, our peers like NCF has a fantastic fund. And then you have the local community foundations and the denominational foundations that often have donor advised funds as well. Um, if you're getting a check from any of those organizations, these are donors that have demonstrated some level of capacity and some level of understanding of complex giving, right? Because they're giving mm -hmm. stocks most likely or real estate into those funds. These are people, even if they only send you a hundred dollars, these are people that probably belong on one of your rep lists mm -hmm. and somebody should be calling or visiting with them because there's demonstrated potential capacity there. And these are the types of folks who may very well move from just an annual fund giver to potentially a major donor mm -hmm. or, or plan gift opportunity. Um, we didn't have anybody take us up on our trivia question, but uh, the very first donor advice fund was formed in 1931. This was surprising when I looked it up by the New York Community Trust. Um, they weren't regulated until the 60s. Um, and then, like I mentioned, they gained a lot of popularity starting in the 1990s. Um, today, at the end of 2017, uh, from the National Philanthropic Trust Report, I found this rather interesting. There are 463,000 donor advised fund accounts at the end of 2017. Was, and that saw 60% growth yeah. from 2016, primarily due to the tax law changes mm -hmm. we saw that happened in 2017. There was a flood of new accounts that opened up 
right towards the end of the year uh, to take advantage of the change in tax law and a lot of people that were doubling up and so forth. Um, but today, as at the end of 2017, as the 2018 report's not out yet from the National Philanthropic Trust, there were $110 billion in assets inside donor advised fund accounts across these 463,000 accounts. And yet they still sent out uh, almost $20 billion in assets in 2017. So there's phenomenal turnover. Mm -hmm. This is not something that operates like a private foundation where they only give out their 5% spend every year. Although some clients may use it that way, many people are using this to give far greater percentages. Um, so this is an important piece of the fundraising effort that you all need to be aware of um, and should make sure that you're paying attention to when you're getting those checks. Um, it's, still, it's still dwarfed in terms of size by private foundations today. Private foundations, I think, have somewhere near a $900 billion or to mm -hmm. a, close to a trillion dollars in assets, somewhere in that realm. Um, but it is a very meaningful piece and one in which that you should be taking advantage of or making sure that you are recognizing donors. Um, Dale, thank you for your comment. Dale, he's just commented that 1931 is what he was going to say. So we'll have to, maybe we'll send Dale the prize. That's so, great. That's thank great. you, Dale. Um, so uh, thank you again, Cindy, for joining sure. me. Um, it's always good to dive into this. As always, we are here to serve you as, as, as our members. We want to make sure that you're well educated on this. If you'd like to understand how to talk about this more with your donors, about making sure they're educated on how donor advised funds work, especially your larger capacity donors and how it can benefit them and ultimately how it may end up benefiting your organization as well. Be sure to talk, talk to yeah. Cindy, talk to myself, um, talk to the team here. We're happy to make sure you're filled in uh, and have the, the solid mm -hmm. talking points on how to address that with your clients mm -hmm. and your donors. Um, a few announcements, as I always do here at the end of, the fa at, at, uh, the end of these um, uh, Facebook Lives. Uh, just a quick reminder, in two weeks on March 27th, we're hosting our next level fundraising event with Corey Trenda as our speaker, who's been a phenomenal uh, or has a phenomenal career in major gift fundraising and planned giving for World Vision. Um, he'll be speaking at the, the host site in Grand Rapids, Michigan at the Print Center, and then we're broadcasting it to several other sites. If you're not registered in a, and you're interested in registering, go to barnabasfoundation.com slash next level. Um, the cost is fairly minor to attend, um, but it's going to be a great, fantastic four-hour session. We have 90 people registered already across all our sites, and so we're really excited and looking forward to this event. Um, for those of you in Illinois, we'll be hosting a member breakfast on April 25th, so um, keep an eye out for that announcement. And in Grand Rapids, we'll be doing one on May 1st. Um, and so you'll be seeing announcements on that uh, fairly soon. For those of you who have not gone through our boot camp, our next boot camp will be May 14th. That will be in Grand Rapids as well. So anybody here localized in the Midwest that would like to attend that, um, be watching for that announcement. Um, we have not nailed down the location on that just yet, I don't believe, but we'll be having an announcement on that fairly soon. Um, and that the boot camp's a great way to understand all the basics of plan giving. And we do talk about the donor advised fund and, and the whole world of asset based giving in that session. And so we give you a lot of mm -hmm. practical pointers on how to talk about and how to talk to donors about uh, applying gifts. And then lastly, um, we're starting to plan our September event. And I think this is going to be a very timely topic for quite a few of our members. Um, so watch for dates somewhere in mid to late September. We're zeroing in on a couple of dates today, but our next major event is going to deal with um, the issues surrounding the age, an aging donor population. And so dealing with things like diminished capacity and when do you stop asking for gifts with donors who are facing those issues. Um, the growing influence of women, especially from the silent generation and boomers, that are uh, the growing influence of women in philanthropy as well. As we all know, quite honestly, women tend to outlive the men. 
And while and the, there's distinct differences in how the generations of women are acting after their spouses are deceased, mm -hmm. in terms of some will honor their husbands, their joint kind of decisions on how they approach their giving, and others are just kind of throwing right. the whole yes. thing out yep. the window mm -hmm. and starting all over mm -hmm. again. So um, there's important distinctions there. So we'll be diving into some of these difficult topics um, in September, with and we're working on lineup speakers now. So we think it's a very timely topic, and uh, we look forward to sending you more details on that later uh, this summer as we get that uh, that part of our conference lined up. Um, so with that, um, that was all we had for today. We thank you for joining us, and we look forward to seeing you next month on April 9th, where I will be talking with Neris McEwen, who is a development director for Child Evangelism Fellowship. Neris has had an incredible knack of, of generating referrals uh, from her donor base and sending referrals to Barnabas Foundation. And so we're gonna dive into the conversation with Neris about what's made her successful on, on create, the, getting the referral interest with right. the donors and then also the work that she does after the fact. So it's kind of before and after the referral, uh, what she's doing. And so she'll share some of those thoughts with you and uh, we'll look forward to that as well. So she'll be joining us remotely um, from her office in Missouri. Um, and uh, we look forward to that. So look for that as on April 9th as well. So thank you again for joining us and we'll look forward to seeing you sometime soon. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. This has been a members-only broadcast brought to you by Barnabas Foundation. Learn more about the variety of resources, tools, and training available to you by logging into the Member Center at www.barnabasfoundation.com.